The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Hold on. You know what? Hold on. Stop. Stop. Bobby, stop. 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 Uh, We were going to do a swing and lounge version of Last Christmas by Wham. But that song sucks. Next tune. Hello there, Thunder Buddies and Travellers Down Thunder Road. It is us, Days of Christmas Thunder, your WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that nobody asked for, but we did anyway, coming to you as part of the PWO Podcast Network. I am your host, your leftover Christmas sandwich on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by the side of dipping sauce that is Stagger Lee Malone. How are you, my friend? <laughs> uh, those, those intros still pop me. <laughs> 20 episodes in you have to get weird man <laughs> I tell you you get weird yeah I'll tell you just as Lee well knows just get in a car with me in, in like on a, on a road trip back in the middle of the night from, from Northern Ireland and you'll see how like weird and tangential conversations go um, Lee how have you been since 5 minutes ago when we stopped recording the last episode <laughs> sorry I just thought of something and I can't stop laughing <laughs> Something we can't legally mention on the podcast, by any chance. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm the same thought. Anyway, moving swiftly on, yeah. Johnny knows, Johnny knows. Yeah, Johnny knows. Johnny knows is the new Oliver knows, uh, for anyone that remembers that. Um, Hey, how are you, friend? (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. It's, I'm better. We're we're on the back half of a double recording session, but hey, also this is the day after Christmas, so things can be a bit yeah, loose. This is allowed. Yeah, the the bourbons and the six percent beers from the last episode have well and truly settled in. It is hot as fuck in my recording studio here. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just gonna soldier on, my friend. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. We've got some feedback to talk about uh, before we get into Thunder this week, Lee. But uh, before that, I think in the unconventional move, we'll do beverages first. Um, okay. What are you rocking? Sudden Comfort and Coke. <laughs> Still rocking that bourbon, my friend. Fair play to you. For, play. for those who remember from two weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe. All fado fado way back when the last episode of thunder uh i have switched from the six percent for the sake of my recording integrity and me not saying anything uh that would get us taken off the air and i've switched back to the old favorite lee it's blue moon it's making a comeback so here we are we don't need to wait in bated breath to see what it's going to taste like because it tastes great it does taste great. It's a great beer. But I'm ready to go. Lee, with the Christmas <clears throat> season having just concluded as people are listening to this one, I put out a call on Twitter.com asking what I thought was a very festive question. I said, recording back-to-back episodes tonight, including our last show before Christmas. Uh, so we want to hear from the Thunder Buddies. If you could recast an actor in any Christmas movie with one member of the Thunder roster, who would it be and Why? Now, Lee, I'm going to be coming to you at the end of this for any bonus suggestions you might have, so keep keep that churning in the back of your head. Okay. Anyway, the first one we got from Pork Sweat, and this was, let me tell you, you want to start strong, you want to come out of the box, swinging a big haymaker, jingle all the way with Vincent instead of Sinbad. I think that's my favourite. That That's the winner. Yeah, also his rationale for this, really enjoy. He'd work for way cheaper. 
Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 absolutely perfect. Um, I I just love because if you watch that back, I remember I watched that film back. I hadn't watched it in years, and I watched it back when I think it was How Did This Get Made did an episode on it, and like Sinbad's arc in that is really depressing. <laughs> Oh, it is. Like, you feel so bad for the guy. Yeah, like, did not realise uh, when I was a kid that it's like the story of someone slowly losing his mind. Um, but yeah, I would appreciate seeing seeing Vincent, or should I say Soul Train Jones in that one. Um, we get one in, another strong shout. Cody Sandusky says to us, Because I'm feeling frisky, replace Bruce Willis in Die Hard with Scott Steiner. <laughs> Do you know what? I I love that suggestion, but it's fucking blasphemy. Yeah, look, it's not as good as Die Hard, but I also want to see that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives two reasons for this. No way that mass of a man is fitting through any HVAC systems. <laughs> That's very true. true. That is, I would like to see that. Just so you could see like the the kind of the <laughs> the tunnels like bulging out. <laughs> Do you remember the episode of The Simpsons where yeah. uh, Santa's little helper is in the Grease me up, woman! Yeah. <laughs> 100%. That's Scott Steiner to Medeja. Uh, reason two, the lunacy with which he would speak to the terrorists, the hostages would probably be more scared of Big Papa Pump. To which I felt inclined to reply, Lee, you know, they say all men are created equal, but you look at me and you look at Hans Gruber and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another terrorist, you got a 50-50 chance. Ah. Oh. I just, my mind went spinning thinking of that. Uh, good friend of the show, Jamie O'D, chips in, Scrooge starring Bobby Heenan. That's a great show. And is there a better comparison between Hollywood and the world of wrestling than Bobby Heenan and Bill Murray? Yep, no, that's that's perfect. Unbelievable. Um, What else have we got here? We got a couple more. Uh, Ashley Clements, DDP in Elf to play Buddy the Elf. He's got that positive outlook. I can see that one. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be specifically positively page. Mm-hmm. You know, you know that that's a good thing. Uh, I would absolutely. Yeah, I'd be. I'd be damn right. Uh, this, I think, absolutely the most left field one of the bunch. Horace Hogan in "It's a Wonderful Life" <laughs> with Raven as the guardian angel. My question is: Does he have to stop saying with him? I'd have to. He'd have to surely. <laughs> In my version, anyway, that I'm definitely booking. Um, and then what was the I I I know I had one. Oh yeah, it was Muppets Christmas Carol, but replace any character you want with Chris Jericho. Yeah, that works as well. There's like he's a very Muppet esque. Joe, he he would have been great as the Michael Caine character. He would have been great as Scrooge. Yeah, yeah. Throwing. I also thought like different versions of Chris Jericho as the three ghosts. Ooh, yes 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 that would work you know what I mean like WCW Jericho mm-hmm. is the ghost of Christmas past and yeah it would be yeah it'd be good stuff I'd really like that uh, Lee do you have any further suggestions to add to that I have one go on and it's Jingle All The Way as well okay but I'm going to make Eric Bischoff the horny neighbour that's trying to uh, seduce Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife okay yeah I can see that I can see that. Um, I I also like the idea of uh, one I just thought there, The Nightmare Before Christmas with Raven as Jack Skellington. Yeah, that works. Uh, I'd also do a thing I had thought of, although like it's kind of people watch it at Christmas and it's wintry, but it's not like a film set at Christmas, so I don't know what the rules are, but Frozen, but you replace uh, Anna and Elsa with Hogan and Bischoff. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just saying, these ideas are out there. Go get it done. Uh, See, I had if I if I was replacing characters in um, in Frozen, I would replace Sven and um, what's the guy's name? Gustav is it Gustav? No. Gustav? No, Gustav is the no. shopkeep. Oh, I saw the second one there recently, and I can't remember. But yeah, I know what, the what's guys. His name? The lads. Ah. Yeah, the lad Christoph. Christoph, yeah, and then Christoph, o- Christoph, and Sven. Well, Kristoff yeah. and Sven, the um, the deer or the moose, whatever he is, um, I would replace them with Scott Steiner and Buff Bagwell. Oh yeah, I give you that. I also had a thought there of uh, Muppets Christmas Carol again, but uh, Rizzo and Gonzo replaced with the Outsiders. 
that's it. That is it. <laughs> Scott Skyner as Rizzo, but instead of rooting through a bean, yeah. he's just got a brown paper bag in his hand. Yeah, you could even do, like, uh, say, Scott Hall as Gonzo and um, Luis Piccoli as Rizzo. Because <laughs> they had that kind of relationship there when they were both on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah. Did, Look, the Thunder Buddies always bring it, Lee, when we asked them. They do. They really edition. do. They always deliver. And I was roaring laughing as those replies came in. So so keep it up whenever we ask those questions. At WCW Thunderpod is where we ask mad shit like that. I, I, I will shout out, though, Parks. I still think he has the best suggestion. Especially when it was the first one. Yeah. You know, you, you always got to, somebody's got to go first. And to go first and go that strong straight away. He nailed it. He nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Absolute hats off there on that one. Uh, we're kicking off Thunder episode 20 dated June 11th 1998 from Buffalo hang on hang on on. episode 20 I know episode 20 plus I think was it four or five pay-per-views so we're right around that quarter century of episodes my friend Mm -hmm. we're coming uh, up on a year doing the show I know we this time last year we had already had the idea and decided our start date for the podcast which is wild it's crazy yeah um, thanks everybody by the way for, for joining us on this this crazy road we'll probably mention it a bit more when we come to our exact year anniversary mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's absolutely wild um, our show opens with NWO Hollywood and what is described as a bevy of beauties uh, there was like four there was like four uh, they're already chilling out on the entranceway some of them are sitting on chairs there's a bunch of candelabras around and some of them are sitting on, on the hood of a limo as the show goes on um, in the weirdest like start to a show ever not only that happens then Tony says the WCW PR department had announced on Nitro they announced there was going to be an announcement on Thunder and that announcement has been cancelled <laughs> because of both circumstances beyond their control and the appearance of one Dennis Rodman on Nitro more on that anon um, commentators allude to there being an attack with a chair do you think people now appreciate how much of a fucking star Dennis Rodman was in 1998? So I don't think they would appreciate how much of a star he was. I think they would appreciate how weird it was because he's still doing weird shit now, like trying to solve uh, the like North Korean issue by going mm. over and hanging out uh, in, in, in Pyongyang. Um so they'd appreciate how weird he is, but yeah, Lee, uh, take us to the trip down memory lane. Rodman was a megastar, wasn't he? Rodman was probably, what, the, the second biggest guy in the NBA for, yeah. I want to say, the preceding at least four or five years. The um, biggest name not called Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, yeah. like he And he was also on Jordan's team. Yeah. Um, this is a guy that would blow off Chicago Bulls training to just show up at Nitro and do nothing. Yeah, he was. He, he was like. He was like. Yeah. He like. He was constantly in the press. He was. I think around this time he was married to Carmen Electra, who was the biggest yeah. um, Playboy playmate at the time. Uh huh. He was really doing weird shit. Like he dyed his hair like a basketball. I think at one stage he. Yeah. He dyed his hair green. He wore a wedding dress. He was. He was huge. Like this was the equivalent of. Like I can't so, even think so of like, somebody today. So like Jordan transcended the sport by being so good at it, mm-hmm. whereas Rodman was bigger than the sport in terms of pure personality, pure celebrity. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. understood the the cult of celebrity of the nineties and the kind of kind of gross out car crash Jerry Springer mm-hmm. way of getting attention. The very few, I, I think it was a long time before other figures in sport would get onto him, um, get onto it. I, I think to put it this way, guys, uh, Thunder Buddies listening at home, for those of you who are kind of in the United States um, or for of a different generation and don't understand, like, Dennis Rodman was so big globally that I, for someone, me, who would have been like six to eight years old during his peak of popularity. Living in the, the village only, in Ireland. like <laughs> Yeah, he was the only other basketball player I ever heard of for many years apart mm-hmm. from Michael Jordan. And yeah. he didn't have to be in Space Jam for me to hear about him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like, 
you know, it's just it's it's a made like I I can't think of a comparison. Like you'd want to be talking like you'd want Aaron Rodgers to show yeah. up on Raw and be a regular character. Yeah, very much kind of like a sporting uh, Kanye West in a way. Yeah, that's like, a good show. Yeah, always doing like kind of big outrageous gestures. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it is. It is tough to nail down and describe to anybody who wasn't around at the time what a figure he was. Um, and do, do, do you know what's funny? Like NBA fans will tell you, the guy was a phenomenal basketball player. Yeah, yeah. Like again, he would have been pro- like the biggest star in basketball on sporting ability alone if Michael Jordan wasn't around. Yeah, like he wa- <laughs> he would still be remembered fondly by basketball and sports fans if he hadn't been. Mad outrageous insane, yeah. like. um but yeah that that's dennis rodman like a a real kind of like i said a bigger than basketball in a lot of ways which is absolutely like, wild like to, to say rodman and mike tyson were a 1a 1b yeah when it comes to sports stars who were like just had this like um public persona yeah of being the outrageous like untamable yeah. Yeah, wild was, man, wild he, guy. Yeah, he was like fucking Tommy Lee with a basketball. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he was just like he he felt like a rock star more than a sports star. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, m- more on that now as we we kind of go back to Nitro and we see Nash inviting DDP into the Wolfpack. A page comes out and he seems like he likes the family feel of the Wolfpack. He says with all the recruitments, particularly. Lex and Sting in the last couple of weeks it got him right here as he's kind of tapping his chest he starts tugging at the shirt which teases he's got the Wolfpack shirt on on underneath which I thought was a clever little bit when suddenly Hogan and Rodman appear and beat the holy shite out of him with chairs and Rodman in particular lays a few of Mm -hmm. these shots in yeah and what I found funny is the Wolfpack never move well not that we ever see but like you don't see them coming to his aid like they they hit him a good like 10 times with the chairs paralysed with shock I am sure (laughs) for sure Um, yeah this was crazy I can only imagine again because by the time I I was watching this stuff like um, the Rodman stuff wasn't a surprise to me I, Mm -hmm. I knew it had happened um I can only imagine if you're in the building on Nitro and fucking Dennis Rodman shows up. And, like, they, they were only in Chicago on Thunder the week previous. Yeah. Yeah, they were in Peoria. And, like, yeah. they, uh, it was just it's crazy. Um, But, yeah, then we have <laughs> Bischoff interrupting the commentators as they're trying to dissect what happened on Monday. And Bischoff is fucking loving life. He oh, says he's so smarmy. It, yeah. th- this is great Bischoff's oh, content. You, you just want to, you know, that that gif that's going around of the dude like rapidly punching the TV at the moment. Like that's mm-hmm. that's me in the nineties watching a Bischoff promo. Um, he says that he and legendary quarterback Jim Kelly are, or sorry, all the crowd and legendary quarterback Jim Kelly are all here because NWO Hollywood is here. Uh, he has a line. <laughs> uh he has a line about how the most important things in the world uh, was it the things most important being here with him Um, he implies Liz is helping him reorganise his business if you know what he means and yes Eric we all know what you mean Uh, he asks Giant for his thoughts on JJ Dillon's phone announcement from Thunder last week Uh, Giant seems real happy about it and this is great right so Lee this this fucking chap my hide in a number of ways I'll describe it first and we'll talk about it so Giant's real happy about it he says he's been thinking hard about his partner he even thought about Eric Bischoff he wants someone who can grab you and knock you out have a devastating finisher something like an apocalypse he said so obviously he picked the disciple now Lee among the questions I have about this and I'll throw over to you for your thoughts in this segment my headline question would be if the disciple was so devastating which he isn't why didn't he just pick him last week uh, well I mean Brian Adams was just so big and tall and sweet. such a killer and too sweet obviously but I don't even think he was out with them this week which is you know a nice bit of unintentional continuity I'm sure yeah. Um he was a tag team champion a week ago, and now he's just not here. 
but the disciple. Yeah. So you have. Can I just say, by the way, as he's trying to kind of big up the disciple here, the giant is doing his able best to try and big him up. One of the bevy of beauties is fucking roaring laughing at this. <laughs> I did not see that. Yeah, the one that's like over giant's right shoulder keeps trying to look away because she's laughing. <laughs> it's great stuff. I, I can't blame her. But yeah, yeah like you have mid 40s fucking Brutus beefcake. Brother Bruta. Being talked up. And I'm pretty sure giant calls him Bruto at one stage or Brutus. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just like. No, like, just, just no, don't do not do this. We don't oh. need to see fucking the disciple wrestle. Absolutely awful stuff. Uh, we then get a flashback to Nitro and Hogan is daring anybody to come at him and Rodman, including the man he refers to as the macho girl, Randy Savage. We come to our first match of the night, Lee. It's Riggs versus Malenko. But as Riggs is coming out here, I noticed something. Was one of the bevy of beauties familiar to you? No. The bevy, the beauty in the orange dress, I believe, and now you don't get a good look, I believe was Tori Wilson. No way. Couldn't be. It because looked... Because Tori was, I want to say, I want to say Tori was like 19 when she was a regular on TV. Like, she was young. Yeah. No, like, it... it I'll put it this way. Like, again, it's only a... Um, it's only a fleeting glimpse, and I could very much be wrong, but it w- she looked in that moment very similar. Um, so I don't know. She could have been um, an extra at this stage. I'm not sure. I wouldn't be... I know... She would have been very young. Yeah. So I'm not sure. She wasn't signed until the following year. I know that. Mm. Um, so it may just have been a lookalike, but it looked very, very like her. Um, I have to go. I'll have to go back and see you now. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a curious one. All right. Um. So we had Riggs versus Malenko. Bischoff in the background giving Riggs a huge thumbs down as he came out it was very funny to me. Um. A lot of rest holds from Dean Malenko early on. Um. Uh. And pretty much as soon as Riggs then takes control, I'm kind of tuning out. This is one of those classic. This is why I said in the last episode I'm now starting to put my phone at the opposite side of the room because yeah. I completely there's a couple of matches here that are just so inconsequential and dull that I just lost my train of thought entirely. Yeah, no, like I kind of lost I lost track of this match like it, like it wasn't bad, like they were technically it was fine, it was good. It was just boring. Like I know we talked about it on the last show like boring is the absolute worst thing you can have on a weekly TV show. Yeah, and I mean the the crowd are dead for this. Like this is the first match of the night. The crowd should be fucking up and alive. Yeah, they absolutely. just don't care. And like I did, like Bobby had one decent line in this match where he just says, "If it was one of his guys, or if it was him in the match, he just moved the eye patch to the other eye." Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, and he was kind of uh, he was making that joke, but he was also kind of putting over. Do you know how hard it would be to like not see all the time? Uh, or to only see things at one eye um, Tony has a very poetic line in the middle of this match where he said that the NWO Hollywood feel like they can walk around the raindrops um, I did not hear that he took a flight of fancy <laughs> in the middle of this uh, Malenko eventually gets the cloverleaf and wins it was dull um, and the segment ends with Malenko roaring for Jericho into the camera uh, next we had a black and white Goldberg video I thought this was great it got the man the moves the music and the chant over good job here I think I tell you what this is the best video package we've seen so far on they've the show. done a few weird avant-garde video packages about shit sometimes but this one I think hit everything like on you the say, money this was basic it was his music yeah. it was great clips of the int- of his entrance a load of his power moves it gets over the Goldberg chant job done yeah next comes Chris Jericho who has some thoughts on that video he said allow me to quote him great video who cares whoop-de-doo that guy isn't the former and future cruiserweight champion slow builds to the Jericho Goldberg feud yeah this is like oh god I love Jericho so and much I, I, I say this every time he is still wearing a Rey Mysterio shirt. Yeah. Brilliant. He's going to wear that until Rey is back. Uh, like, I'm fully sure of it. I don't know this for a mm-hmm. fact, but I'm fully sure of it. 
he says he's done his work. He got his letter from Ted Turner, who I assume is the highest power that he was talking about last week. And now he wants that fat, balding Jojo Dillon to push himself away from the dessert table for five minutes and give him his belt back. Just sensational. He said he's not leaving the building uh, till it's back around his waist, at which point Brain quips, "Ah, then you got a new address. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it it was great. It was just building up to the, the showdown later on, basically. Yeah, and also we need to point out the mutton chops on this man. Oh, his beard is absolutely ridiculous at this point. Yeah, he's just doing anything to seem more like a shit heap, and I appreciate that. He's doing it's like he's doing it just to pop himself more than anything else. Yeah. Um. So Kidman versus Hoovy is next. The match starts, and immediately the camera cuts to the NWO, who apparently just bored and fucked off, leaving their limo and their candelabras. Well, it's um, a couple of vanilla minutes. You know, yeah. they don't care. The best part is that they show this for like too long they show them wandering off we got the idea and then they cut back just in time to see who we fuck up a nip up really putting over the cruiserweights here yeah yeah um kidman hits seven year itch to the floor tries to use the ropes uh for a pin then but the ref spots it uh lodi has a dr evil for president sign so that'll date you as to when it was austin powers references were still funny he also had another sign after that one which was very funny uh, was it the one that said Rodman bang DDP? Yep. Yeah. There you are. Still using that turn of phrase. Um, some decent back and forth action here by these two guys who like, mm-hmm. they, you know, we've seen them before and they're not, in Kidman's case, very green and in Hoovy's case, he's Hoovy. Um, so <laughs> I'll, they, tell you, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, Hoovy hits what I can only describe as a fucking discus lariat that yep. kills Kidman. Yeah. So, like, for for where these guys are in 1998, I enjoyed some of this action. Mm-hmm. Um, not a huge amount to say about it. Uh, the story of the match being that Kidman keeps trying to put down Hoovy, but Hoovy's kind of warrior spirit, he won't the quit. Resilience, yeah. Yeah, Hoovy hits a massive Hoovy driver. Uh, which oh, got, he fucking drops him on his neck. Yeah, a big pop from the crowd, hits the 450 splash for the win, and we see the replay of the match in the Thunderburst Slam of the Night. Um, yeah this was I think like nothing to write home about but kind of when I saw these two guys come out this was better than I thought it was going to be in 98 oh yeah for sure this this was like a perfectly fine cruiserweight showcase match yeah Tony out on the ramp next and I swear to god he was dressed exactly like Michael Blues from Arrested Development and I (laughs) could not unsee it he made a huge mistake here Um, but he's out to talk to Lex Luger Luger reckons Giant and the NWO went running because they're afraid of him and face-to-face confrontation isn't their style. Luger says DDP had a lot on his mind after the attack on Monday but that the door to the Wolfpack was always open for Paige and he always has a t-shirt waiting for him. They replay the finish of the title match last week and Luger is absolutely loving it. Uh, Lex Luger then asks if the Giant wants to, and I quote, continue that folly. Oh, Lex got a word of the day calendar. Um, And Lex accepts the challenge for later and says his partner will be none other than Randy Savage. And then he walks off flexing. Well, I mean, Uh, I'd flex as well if I was Lex Luger. Yeah, I think for for a Luger promo that tend to be rambling and and a bit crap, uh, he he did all right here. He got over everything he needed to. I do do think putting Shivani with him two weeks in a row was the right thing to do. Yeah, and I think the phrase continue that folly was terrific. Um... (laughs) Eric uh, is out with Brett. He says that, and in I think considering the the near filibuster level speeches we've gone on about how checked out Brett is, mm-hmm. I fucking died laughing at Eric suggesting quote that Brett has his finger on the pulse of wrestling talent around the world. Oh yeah, Brett. Brett's one hundred percent watching wrestling. Brett isn't even paying attention to the matches that he is in. <laughs> Yeah, like, you'll, you'll, we saw him during the first match. He had no interest in what was going on. Yeah. And then, like, you know the way if you're doing a typical promo like this where you're going to recruit somebody into your faction, you kind of, you build it up and you build it up and you build it up and then you finish off by naming the dude and everyone's like, wow. Well, he starts the promo just by going, Chris Benoit. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> instead of going, like, yeah, like you say, like, oh, this guy's yeah. a killer. You know, yeah. he's one of the best submission wrestlers in the world. He's been a fucking junior heavyweight he's been this he's been that yeah. no he just goes Chris Benoit I want you 
Yeah, follow me on this one, Lee. This was the promo equivalent of the WrestleMania 25 main event. Bell yeah. rings, hit your finishes straight away, and then shite on for a while till it's over. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Minus the oh, house invasion. Poor. He's, he's trying to talk Benoit into NWO Hollywood. He's wearing a Hogan shirt like a fucking dweeb. Oh, he looks like merch. such a fucking mark. Yeah. And like, I hate using that word, but Brett looks yeah. like such a fucking mark for Hogan. Yeah. He's not even wearing an NWO shirt. He's wearing a Hogan shirt. I know. It's so bad. He says this decision, if Benoit accepts, will take him to another level. They take a seat and wait as they want to know straight away. Benoit comes out, looks and smiles at the boys, but with that kind of ambiguous, you know, am I smiling at you because you're a piece of shit or am I smiling at you because I'm going to join you? I I love that Brett said, this is more important than any TV title. Mm. So he instantly pisses on a a championship belt and says the NWO getting a decision right now is more important. Yep. Uh, Exactly the kind of shenanigans you want surrounding the blissful oasis in the middle of the show that was Match 7, Benoit versus Booker T. My God, I love the commentary in this match, Lee. This might be the single finest performance of these three men Mm -hmm. uh, we've experienced thus far. They note Benoit's early surge of aggression is the pattern uh in these in a lot of these matches however brain then counters that we've also seen them pull out different things every time to throw the other man off his game Mm -hmm. lee puts over that your prize for surviving seven matches on the bounce is facing one of the toughest men alive in fit finley i fucking love this commentary putting over this like a real contest of athletes with the chance at immortality and a championship on the line at the end they were fabulous here yeah now they they really put over the importance of all of this like the, the tv title is elevated by not even being involved here yeah they've undone all the damage brett just did <laughs> yeah um, um I, I i love this match i thought this match was fucking great yeah and it's different because this time it's Benoit working over the leg to try and yep. take away the kicks. Can I tell you, this is uh, this is a very niche reference for people listening. This is the most Jamesy match we've ever watched. <laughs> Our friend yeah. Jamesy, who is like the biggest fan in the world of selling the leg, and Booker T does a fabulous yeah, job no, of selling the leg. In th- this. this is great. Like, and you know what? This match goes through two commercials, which is unheard of on this show. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't believe it when it went to the second one. Um, yeah like Benoit is really aggressive attacking the leg everything he does is focused on the leg Mm -hmm. brain is making sense of like because you might be thinking oh this doesn't work in wrestling logic because his finisher is the cross face brain is right in there and he's saying look normally he finishes he wears you down so he can get you in the cross face but he spotted a weakness here he's targeted it Mm -hmm. and like this guy is a wrestling expert great technical wrestler submission expert he can tap you out anyway and do you know what it kind of taps into Brett's promo before because Brett had been talking about you know Benoit came up through the dungeon and he was trained by the hearts apparently yeah Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden Benoit's going after the leg I mean you have to believe that people in that crowd were going Benoit's going to use sharpshooter. Yep. Another layer that really works for this is that uh, Heenan is pointing out again that like not only has he spotted a weakness and he's going for it and he can tap you out whatever way, but how much of Booker's offense relies Mm -hmm. on the standing leg. You know, the Harlem sidekick, the axe kick, the Harlem hangover, the missile drop kick, it all requires the strength of the leg. It's fucking brilliant. And, you know, every so often this match is like 80-20 in favor of Benoit. And like Benoit is, you know, he's beating him and beating him and doing these like sick looking dragon screws and shit like that. And stomping at the leg and just tearing at it like the rabid Wolverine, you know, moniker Mm -hmm. is appropriate here. Um, And every time, because he's beating him so hard and Booker is selling it so well, every time he fires up, the crowd loses their mind and it's... It's only just enough hope. You yeah, know what I mean? They're, it's they're a, right there with Booker. And whenever he fires up as well, like he's a bit wobbly or he's limping mm-hmm. or there's one point where he goes to fire up and the leg completely caves in on him. Yeah. It's just, he, oh, it's, oh, it's so a, good. There's another point he throws the sidekick and Benoit just ducks and nails the triple Germans. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so, such great storytelling and just so basic. Yeah. Oh, um, 
yeah so like Booker is trying to he realises he's hurt so he's trying to do he's not even doing moves at a certain point he's just trying backslides and roll ups mm-hmm. to try and get out Benoit at one point hits an incredible like Indian deathlock surfboard stretch oh combo oh my god I lost over the, I had never seen anyone do that deathlock oh. surfboard whatever oh, you want to call it it was like shades of Zack Sabre Jr with like a weird submission combo um, like you said the match goes through a second break then Booker's proper hobbling lands the odd kick he he kind of he fires up at one point uh, this is the thing you were saying um, mm-hmm. there a minute ago so he gets full of adrenaline and he's kind of trying to ignore the pain and, and hits a spin of Rooney because he's getting carried away with himself now he thinks he's on top uh, tries a sidekick and that's when he'd gotten too cocky then and thought he'd recovered and Benoit just ducks and hits the Germans for a two count. And it was the Germans into the bridge, which he had won one of the matches with previously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely paying off Mm -hmm. if you'd been paying attention to the feud. Then we got the huge diving headbutt, and that's when things started to go a little bit off the rails. So Brett is here and hits Booker with a chair. For fuck's sake, of course, Brett would have to ruin all the nice things. Uh, Benoit saw him do it and doesn't know what to do. So I think here, I will say, Having the fuck finish is really disappointing in and of Mm -hmm. itself. But the things that the two men in the match do to sell this and what it leads to, I think, are making the best out of a a little bit of a bad situation here. Um, Because Benoit saw it and he doesn't know what to do. The referee starts counting and he's staring at Brett and he's staring at Booker and he's staring at the ref. And then as it gets to eight... He grabs the ref's hand and tells him what had happened. The ref is kind of like, do you know what this means? You know what this means? He calls the bell. Booker wins via disqualification. So I have mixed emotions on that, Lee. What about you? I hated that Brett got involved. Yeah. But then, as it's going along, I was like, I, I genuinely couldn't remember who won the best of seven series. Yeah. And as it's going on, I was like, what, like what, what's going to happen and then when he stops the ref's arm I was like okay I can I can get behind this because it's playing off that Benoit wants nothing got to do with the NWO he's still a baby face even despite he's been the aggressor in this whole series he is still a face technically yeah um, Booker is just one fucking tough bastard he just won't, wouldn't stay down until a fucking he got hit in the back of the head with a chair yeah like it, it kind of it paid off a lot of stuff without kind of like you were saying to fuck finish and it was but it also wasn't yeah like it's just in the moment I was so mad and then mm. the way it gets played off is is great and as um, like, as we know like they come back later in the evening and get back so, to it do you know in that sense I gotta say hands up Lee they got us oh yeah 100% do you know what I mean they absolutely got us with mm-hmm. this finish um so yeah Brain is incensed at how stupid Benoit is for giving away the finish like say, you know he's been the, the heel commentator going like you know the, the dude had it won like he should have just gone for it and mm-hmm. uh, Tony telling him well that just means Benoit is a better man than you yeah um, which you know not exactly a statement that held up over time but here we are <laughs> um, next we have JJ and Malenko JJ says he's going to review the tape of the last match but he's here for another bit of business and this, Lee, I loved this. <laughs> I don't know about you. Malenko is giving up the belt to Jericho under the proviso that if this is the way I can get my hands on Jericho and finish the job on Sunday. So Malenko is the noble champion. He hasn't been fucked out of it. Um, you're seeing the guy give up the belt because he really wants to shut this guy's mouth. So that's mm-hmm. that's grand, whatever. Out comes Chris Jericho. <laughs> oh, oh, we should say that Malenko gives up the belt and walks away. Yeah. And only then does Jericho come down. Celebrating. Demands JJ forks over the belt. Mm-hmm. JJ says that that's not going to happen that way because Malenko gave the belt to him, not to Jericho. He says Jericho is ordered to wrestle Malenko at the bash if he wants the belt back. Now, one thing I didn't like about this is you've got two belt stripping stories with JJ Dillon in one week. Mm-hmm. But then, Lee, in an eerie and not the first time something we've covered on Days of Thunder has mirrored something that just happened in mm-hmm. 2019, Ted Irvine 
Chris Jericho's father appears. I could not fucking believe it. I I was kind of taking notes on what was being said, so I was looking at my phone, and all I had heard was Shivani going, "That said, Irvine," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> And then it starts clicking into my head. We're in Buffalo. He was a New York Ranger. Ranger, yeah. Of course he's here. He said he's very disappointed with his son's whining, crying and belly aching. He tells him to shut up. <laughs> he says in 13 years in the NHL, he never backed down from a challenge. He won some, he lost some. He said, uh, told him to shut up again. And then said, Chris, you got to keep your big mouth shut. If you want that belt, get in the ring and earn it like a man. This was mm-hmm. one step short of a man spanking his son on national television. And I loved it. Oh, it was great. It was just, like I say, it was kind of surreal considering what's just happened on AEW. Yeah. Like, there, where he there. was like full on heel supporting his son. Yeah. To this. And it's like, like honestly, I, I double taked. I just like, I was like, what <laughs> like <laughs> gotta be said as well Ted Irvine low key good promo yeah really is and like I don't think for most characters it would work to have like most heels for their father to come in and scold them on national television oh, works for Jericho really put the bollocks up yeah works perfectly yeah. for him absolutely great great stuff um, complete opposite of that Conan and Scott Pusky fucking nothing happened here <sighs> this was so fucking uh, nothing happened for so ages bad. it wasn't nearly enough of the quick squash it should have been and then we get a 187 a tequila sunrise and a tap out I don't have the intention of wasting any more energy on that match Lee unless hey, you do he's ready for Goldberg now I, yeah. I don't know ready to get fed to, to Billy Big Time next we have Saturn versus Glacier the rubber match uh, in a nice playoff of last week's match Glacier jumps Saturn at the bell mm-hmm. but it really amounts to a hill of beads because then Saturn just beats the fuck out of him for ages so he should yeah um, a really amazing spot in here where Glacier fires up and goes for a roundhouse kick and he catches the kick on his shoulder and turns it into an STF it was uh, great yeah that was really good uh, Glacier attempts to mount comeback Lodi distracts uh, him but eats a cryonic kick and in one of the funniest spots of the night, he attempts to cryonic kick on Saturn while the ref is looking the other way. Saturn drops and cryonic kicks him in the bollocks. <laughs> uh, Death Valley driver, Saturn wins the feud, I hope. You, you know that thing the kids say of deserved? Yeah. Yeah, that was deserved. Deserved. Uh, Raven is here straight away. Doesn't care about Saturn's win. So much for that I, renewed friendship. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you got us. Yeah, Saturn won. Who cares? What about yeah. me? What about Raven? <laughs> yeah. He's here to call out Canyon. He's gone absolutely mad. He fires the SWAT team. Uh, they start attacking them. And one of the SWAT team turns out to be Canyon, who hits a flatliner on Raven uh, bef- and escapes before Saturn has a chance to react or the flock can get to the ring. Uh, I get no this fake conf- nose this week. If he had been wearing a helmet and a fake nose, I would have fucking quit the show. <laughs> <laughs> Under the mask as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I always get this confused. The flatliner is what Canyon called it, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And the downward spiral is what Edge called it. Yes. Okay. I I believe so. Um. So yeah, Tony and JJ are here. JJ has now said he has reviewed the tape. He says it would be a shame to see the series end like this, and he calls Booker out. Booker says this was he saying that they had a private conversation before mm-hmm. this. Booker says he doesn't want to win like that. He wants to go one more time with Benoit. JJ agrees to this and decides he's going to throw out the result from tonight and says now the final match of the best of seven series will now happen Sunday and the winner will face Finley that same night. So for the second time in our run on Thunder Road, the there is the potential yeah. of Booker doing double duty. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the second well, time one man the, will... the TV title's been involved in this kind of double shot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um next uh, oh yeah the other thing worth remarking on here is that Stevie Ray absolutely enraged oh he is pissed yeah yeah um out comes Eric and Liz saying that they have two agenda items for tonight first comes what must have been a pun that Eric came up with on the drive to work that day couldn't stop laughing at himself and had to try and fit into the promo where he said Randy it's not Niagara it's Niagara Falls not Viagra Falls so just come and wrestle very topical for a Conrad Thompson podcast host. 
Indeed, Blue Chew. Um, Liz then proceeds to cut God Bless Miss Elizabeth, the most inauthentic promo in the history of professional wrestling. <laughs> she tried. She she did. God bless her. Like, her heart is in the right place. But n- there's nothing on this earth that can convince anyone that Miss Elizabeth is evil. No. Saying that the only good thing about Randy was his checkbook, which he already has. He doesn't have the leg, a leg to stand on, etc., etc., etc. It just... She got all her words right. She tried to deliver it as mean as Liz could muster, but it just... It just wasn't happening, and was it? Did you notice that Bischoff was stood right next to her, just in case she forgot a line, so yeah, he could yeah. whisper? He was like yeah. right beside her. And then they they walk off by saying, oh, "Bischoff's like, we love you. Everybody loves you. Liz loves you. Bite me." Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, just a little bit, just to remind you that Eric Bischoff is the shit heel here. Yeah, um, that part was good. Uh, we get a flashback to uh, Savage and Piper having a confrontation on Nitro. Randy says he was born at night, but not last night, which is always, I, I like that line um, whenever people have delivered that in the past. Uh, he said he doesn't trust Piper. Uh, the two of them nearly come to blows when the NWO interrupts, revealing Elizabeth, who makes out with Eric. Uh, Savage says he got over her ages ago, but he will never get over Hogan. He damn sure isn't going to get over Piper, uh, who he attacks as they fight uh, and Hollywood laughs on. It's worth saying at this point, Lee, it's something we haven't noted, that at the start of this show, Liz is just with the NWO. Mm-hmm. She cuts a heel promo. And it wasn't until this point that any of that was explained. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I just kind of accepted it. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where I didn't make a note of this throughout the whole show because I remembered, like, heel Liz, quote-unquote. Didn't even think. It was made such... It so, made out to be such a small deal, doesn't even matter, that it wasn't until this point that I was like, oh, fuck, like, she literally just turned heel. <laughs> yeah, she like, she was with Savage all of two weeks ago, like. Yeah, yeah. I could not believe it. But here we are. This is WCW for you. Um, like, we have to talk about this. Eric Bischoff. Yeah. So, he kissed Liz on this show. Yeah. He's kissed Stephanie on, I think it was a pay-per-view, wasn't it? Or Smackdown yeah. or something. So and I think it was, it, was, it was the Halloween Smackdown, wasn't it? Because she was dressed as a witch. That's right. Um, so, obviously, he's the only man apart from... Macho Man to have kissed Stephanie and Liz. Um, <laughs> Speaking of Oliver Nose. He's also kissed Linda McMahon. Yeah. In one of the creepiest. Oh, most uncomfortable things I've ever seen in my life. I'm not even going to say out loud the things he said to Linda. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about it and I don't want my voice saying that on the internet forever. Then, like, who else? There's somebody else I'm forgetting that he kissed um, and I just like I was just thinking like when he kissed Liz I was like did, Jesus Christ did he, like did, this did man has booked with, himself to do these things like did he make out with the lesbians I can't remember I can't remember uh, like it's just yeah it, it's quite the hit list he has yeah uh, an iconic man yeah and you know if certain rumours are to be believed certain people's wives as well um but we won't dwell on that one, but I that, would say. But that's a story for another page. That famous... Hey! That famous urban legend. Uh, <laughs> let's just cut straight to the chase here. Main event time. Uh, Lex and Macho versus Giant and Disciple. Savage punches Giant, like, in the arse possible ball area. Very low, early on. Uh, and Bischoff taunts savagely, gives chase. The match is already over now. Uh, the match started with, like, three minutes left on the run time on the show. Yeah, uh, so Savage gives chase up to the limo. He's jumped by Brett, who for some reason was sitting in the limo, and Hogan. Nash comes out for the save, and then Giant immediately makes a beeline up. Uh, presumably, Disciple and Lex just fell into a bottomless pit or something like this, yeah. never to reappear. We should say this was Hogan's one and only appearance on the show. Yep. Yeah. What a, what a, what a worker! A twenty second brawl. Uh, yeah, uh, Hollywood kind of fairly decisively beats down the, the Wolfpack members here as the show goes off the air. We're out of time and this is your go home for the Great American Bash. I do think uh, Hollywood needed to get a bit of heat on the faces because like, it's been all faces for the last couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. 
they've been establishing the wolf pack, so there mm-hmm. hasn't really been that room to give them their heat back. But you're you're dead right that they should have. But like, kind of rushing it in at the last fucking second. Yeah, here. no, like they they could have easily had like a ten minute main event and just had like all of NW Hollywood just lay people out. Like, yeah, I just not not a big fan whatsoever. Uh, Lee, let's wrap up this show. Tell me, winners and losers. Uh, winner of the episode. Uh, it's a weird episode. I don't know. Um, I suppose Jericho. Jericho looked great here. Like I know he got cool. dressed down by his dad, but like I, I think he's like. It's hard to argue against him on any time he appears, isn't it? Yeah, it's just. I, I think we may, if it keeps happening, we may have to institute a like. I know Jericho the winner can't be Chris Jericho because it's just implied that he would be all the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other than that. it was such a poor episode yeah it wasn't great it wasn't like it wasn't the worst one we've seen but it was just not memorable Uh, if I'm gonna gonna pick two people Kidman and Hoovy both looked fucking great in that match yeah yeah much improved from the pair of them I I would uh, I would co-sign that for sure um our finish counter for this week on Thunder. We had six matches this week, three clean finishes, one DQ, uh, no interference leading directly to a finish, uh, one miscellaneous shenanigans, and one non-finish. C- can we um, institute a new rule on the finish counter? Yes. Can we say it's brought to us by Ludwig Wa- Ludwig Borga? Yes. The one true finish wrestler. Yes, I can do that. I'm in fact writing it in right now, Lee. <laughs> so that I won't forget because I will anyway that's going to bring it to the end of not only Days of Thunder episode 20 but the last Days of Thunder of the decade which is a weird fucking thing to say Um, that is is weird to say isn't it this is our last 2019 Days of Thunder we'll be returning to you in the new year fuck bright eyed (laughs) and bushy tailed with new episodes and new horrific wrestling to, to look back upon uh, from WCW Thunder. In the meantime, please stop by the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network, a litany of shows all designed for the wrestling enthusiast, whether it's old stuff like the World Cast or um, Days of Thunder uh, <laughs> or new stuff. We're talking Strong Style Story. We're talking Boom Goes the Dynamite. Uh, stuff kind of in between the two kind of sort of old but not quite really old yet like through the years it's all there for you on one network one subscription will do on your podcast pre- podcast platform of preference um, so check it out because you're doing yourself a disservice missing out on a whole lot of great content uh, by not subscribing so don't be a chump um, join up with the rest of us here uh, thank you to all you Thunder Buddies out there for joining us for another episode we wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from us at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter from myself at the Day to Dave on Twitter and from Lee at Malone underscore 713 we shall see you all in 2020 try not to eat too much try to stick to those New Year's resolutions we'll see you soon gang <laughs>